Welcome to Finish Lines and Milestones with Allie Brettnacher. Incredible stories and tales of triumphs with everyday people achieving their goals in fitness. This podcast brought to you by Athlete Bouquets. Celebrate finish lines and milestones of the people that you love by visiting athletebouquets.com. Hello and welcome to episode 37. This is Allie Brettnacher and I just got home from a gift exchange at my run coach's house. So thank you, Rachel Sanders of Rachel Michelle Running for opening up your home to me and other women that you coach. It was really fun. We did like a white elephant gift exchange, but it was all of our favorite running things. So thank you to my friend Amanda who purchased a mug that I made for the exchange that had Team RMR on it. That was a big hit. Thank you to Jennifer Nye, who was recently on this podcast, for showing up with a gift just for me. She got me this super cute custom podcast ornament that says the year and finish lines on it, and it is my favorite colors. And thank you, Jennifer. That was so thoughtful and kind of you. I got to see Lindsay Welty, who was also on this podcast. A couple of Christies there. Christy D um, was early in this podcast, and she is getting ready to run Sydney next year. And we were talking about her bracelet business that's on Etsy and how we can work together next year. I'm just so grateful for her. I got to meet Allison in person. We have exchanged many messages on Instagram and she has been a customer and I appreciate her so much. Lisa, who listens to this podcast, I actually got her favorite things that she brought to the party, some featured socks, which I am obsessed with, and Tiger Balm. If you have not tried Tiger Balm, it's kind of like a biofreeze or uh, a title. It's like a muscle soothing cream balm, and it's amazing. I also got to meet some women I've never met before and see a few familiar faces. Um, I met a young woman named Emily who runs marathons with her dad, and was inspired by her recent race in New York, and she's heading to Tokyo next year. I met Kristen. I saw Susan again, who I met at another Rachel gathering, Danielle, Jill, who I've spent some miles running with uh, in races, actually. And then, of course, Sarah, who I think listens to this still, who I've now met on a couple of occasions and seen at the end of a race. And This group of women is just so amazing and so inspiring. And tonight was something that I needed. I'm just overwhelmed with the holidays and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And then enter Michael Hartnagel and this conversation we had this week. And, you know, the whole mantra behind this episode is to stay positive. And when I express some of my overwhelming feelings he said to me, you know, just stay positive and you'll see why that is so meaningful as you hear the story of him and his dad on today's episode. So Michael has started an organization called uh, Metastatic Mission. So first and foremost, please go check that out and support him. I know that by the end of this episode, you will definitely want to, but we talked about Michael, his upbringing growing up in the 90s. His parents were both teachers. He's the youngest of three boys. A lot of this episode has to do with his dad's cancer diagnosis and battle. He was diagnosed in January of 2017 and passed away this year in September. We talk about how running came into the picture in this journey and how run streaking became a thing for his dad. And then Michael took over when his dad couldn't. And when we recorded this, it was day combined over a thousand, like something like a thousand seventy-five. We talk about the kind of cheerleader his dad was. We talk about the indie mini that his dad did while they, he was going through chemo and radiation. And you're going to hear more details about that that are just mind blowing. But he even ran the last mile, and Michael got to experience that with him. We talk about Michael's first ultra marathon, which was in May of this year how he honored his dad in his chemo rounds by running in front of the Simon Cancer Center. We talk about how he ran across Indiana, the state, 157 miles to honor his dad and have some difficult conversations around, 
you know, the last couple of months of his dad's life and what metastatic mission is and how Michael is, is looking to honor his dad's legacy. And it's just so incredibly inspiring. And I told Michael this, you'll hear, hear me tell him this, but I was just so impressed with him, so inspired by him and his courage and strength to continue on through such a hard journey that him and his whole family have experienced. And if you don't feel inspired by, by this episode, then you are crazy. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michael Hartnagel. All right. I am here with Michael Hartnagel. Howdy. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. I told you right before we hit record, I'm nervous. <laughs> no reason to be nervous. Well, I just want to make sure I do this incredible story justice. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It uh, it means a lot. I know it's going to be probably difficult for me to get some of the words out today, but we're, we're going to do our best. I forgot to get tissues for myself. <laughs> it's all right. I got a hoodie. <laughs> okay, perfect. And so do I. It'll just yeah, there be, you, go. you know, covered in mascara. <laughs> let's, let's just start at the beginning, kind of of your life, who you yeah. are, where you're from. And I want to learn about growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my name is Michael Hartnagel. I grew up in Brownsburg, Indiana, um, basically born and raised there, lived in the same house for 26 years. Uh, I've got two brothers, three nieces, just had my first baby, a baby boy. Um, so we're super happy about that. But growing up, it was kind of just all about family. You know, we did did everything together, sports, outdoors. I think my dad kind of instilled in us early the importance of movement and getting outside. Um, they were both teachers. My dad was a teacher at Avon High School for 37 years. That's incredible. Yeah. And my mom was, I think, 38 at Decatur. But yeah, he was a, a coach there, DECA teacher, business teacher. I think the coolest thing about them both being teachers is that, you know, spring break, fall break, summer break, they had off and it was right. aligned with us. So, you know, those times we went out to national parks, we went down to Florida, we went on skiing trips and we got to just make so many memories. I actually came across my dad's old uh, handy cam about a month ago and got to relive a lot of those like one to three years of my life that I personally don't remember, but it was cool to see like from the outside and just kind of be like, wow, that was such an awesome childhood. That is really cool. You mean like an old school, like oh, camera old that school. you hold in your hand, like yep. I picture it. Yep. Pop it out and you slide in the little, um, it's like an eight millimeter tape. And I was going to say, how'd you even watch it? Yeah. So I had to buy a handy, he basically had like 25, 30 small tapes. So I had to go on eBay, buy an old handy cam. Um, and then buy a converter, and that now I have it all converted over to my laptop. Okay, yeah, that's cool. It was that, a process, yeah, but it I'm was sure. completely worth it. Yeah, my parents put all of our like VHS on DVDs. Mm -hmm. I don't know where they are. Yeah. I should, they're in my house somewhere. Look for them. Yeah, there's some cool memories. I'm sure. <laughs> It'd be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and where do you fall in your brothers? I am the youngest. The youngest. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm the, the oldest. I'm the baby. I'm the oldest of three girls. Oh, there we go. So I don't know if you ever see the videos, like the memes about like oldest, yep. middle, youngest, yep. but they're always pretty spot on. Yeah, my, my wife is oldest and uh, it's kind of funny watching those videos. We talk about the middle one being just like the crazy one. Yes. <laughs> and it is funny watching my middle brother <laughs> just be an absolute, just like absolutely crazy in a lot of those videos. Yeah. My, my dad had a nickname for him, Crazy Bustin. So. Crazy Bustin. Yeah. That's so funny. It, it's funny because I am horrible at TikTok, okay? But you're real, you're pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten better. So Michael is what is the positive runner, yep, right? Yep. And so I went on there this morning, actually, and I my sister had sent me, like, I don't know, 20 videos that I had to watch because <laughs> it's now, like, this curated playlist she sends me. But one, a couple of them were about the oldest in the middle. And there was one where it's, like, the oldest is, like, playing the violin, like, uh -huh. so seriously. And then it, like, pans to the middle child who's, like, trying to, like, I don't know, have an elastic band around his leg and his head. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. So growing up, all boys, yep. your mom must be a freaking saint. Oh, she is. She's the best. A teacher, yep. a mom of three boys. How amazing. Yeah, and she is actually one of three sisters. Really? Yep. So oh. then she got three boys, and now she, she absolutely killed it as a mom, and I'm, I'm super grateful. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So those summers you did, did you do RV trips in the summers? No, it's funny. There's uh one of the clips is actually us heading out. We did like an out West trip where we went to like Badlands, Wind Cave, and then down like through Colorado, Wyoming and all that stuff. We went mm-hmm. out to, to SS Park. It's kind of like a traditional family thing that we did from my dad's side, but we're in this old, like, I don't even know, like 1990 blue van. That's just, just it's got some some sick uh, kind of interior and outside. It's yeah. Did it have the wood paneling on the side? Cause it, had, had, it had a strip of wood paneling on we it. We had the same van. Yeah. We did. I swear to God. And I have a picture of me and my sister standing on the top of it when we <laughs> got rid of it because it was we called it Woody. Yeah. Yeah. Must have been the cool thing to have. Our parents. I, I were guess cool. so. Yeah. Vehicles <laughs> were dope back then. Yeah. Wild. So you played sports growing up. Mm-hmm. Was your mom active too, or is it kind of more your dad? kind of being the sports guy. Yeah. No, it was it was definitely more my dad's side, but I think my mom obviously just kind of had to dive into it. I mean, prime example <laughs> is my dad's side. His dad played hockey, uh, men's league hockey, until he was 74 years old. So sports what? were just like a crazy thing, and they just like dove into it. I mean, all my cousins played. I probably had like five or six cousins that played um, sports in college. Um, but it was, yeah, it was definitely more of my dad's side. So he coached you and your brothers growing up, I would imagine. Yep. All yep. of you. Uh, Little League baseball was kind of the big thing. He was actually on the board and kind of ran Brownsburg Little League. Wow. Um, okay. Basically from like 1998 till when I was done, which was 2007. Um, he coached guys like Lance Lynn, Tucker Barnhart, Drew Storen. A lot of those guys played with my oldest brother. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of those earliest days were at the Little League fields. Wow. Yeah. And you ended up playing at, you went to Butler? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you ended up playing in college. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually went, my first year was at DePaul University out in Greencastle. Okay. Um, so I played a year out there, had a really good season, and then I just kind of wanted more. Um, and also to be able to just be closer to my family. Um, so I kind of took that leap of faith, went to Butler, had to sit out a year for redshirt. And then basically when I when I started and was able to play, I basically played every game, every game since. It was an awesome experience. And then after college, you became a professional baseball player? Yeah. Um, not like full on professional. I didn't get drafted or anything. Um, I had a, a really successful three years. It was actually first team all Big East my last year at Butler, which allowed me to kind of have that opportunity to have some tryouts. So I went up to, it's a league called the Frontier League. It's independent baseball, but they have a lot of like feeding into um, professional baseball. baseball. So I played it with the Schomburg Boomers, played basically a half a season there enjoyed it but it, it kind of didn't fill that same love that I had it wasn't necessarily all about kind of like working together as a team and everyone hanging out and this camaraderie of like just a bunch of dudes it was kind of more individualized which I get because everyone's wanting to make it to that next level mm. um and I enjoyed it like I could still like I, I miss it um I could go out and take ground balls for you know 24 hours seven days a week I just I just loved it but I was starting to get that feeling that I, I needed to fill something else and kind of you know reach out and explore different things. Okay. Yeah. What was it like being a collegiate athlete? Like, did you have, were you in a fraternity as well as baseball, your fraternity while you're in college? How does that work? Yeah. Um, at DePaul, Greek life is, I think it was like 93%. So everyone was in a fraternity. So I joined a fraternity. It's actually kind of funny. I went through rush, did all like the stuff that's not super enjoyable. And then that year I left. Um, so then I went to Butler and fraternities and Greek life aren't as big. And it was just more of, you know, a lot of the seniors had houses and mm-hmm. you kind of just went and hung out there. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. You went through the hardest part yeah. Yeah. of rush and like getting through it. And then you're like, see you later. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was nice to be closer to home for sure. So when, at what point, how old were you when your dad was diagnosed with cancer and how did that, how did that go down? Yeah. Obviously, I kind of remember it like it was yesterday. It was January of 2017. And there was a lot of things kind of leading up to it that now that I like look back on it, I can kind of see that, okay, things were starting to steer that way. But we were at my brother's house in the kitchen and my dad kind of just said, I I need to talk to you guys about something. And um, obviously you hear that six letter word that no one ever wants to hear and your your mind starts kind of spiraling. But just kind of a quick snippet of who my dad was. I mean, he kind of shut that down real quick. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm, I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to stick around and we're going to, we're going to make some memories. And, you know, over those six and a half years that he was battling, we, we did that, but yeah, cancer, it sucks and it affects too many people and it's, it's hard to hear, but you just got to attack it. And that's what he did. 
Yeah, you say like looking back, you kind of knew where it was heading. Did he have, you just could see like the symptoms and yeah, stuff? Yeah, or... kind of like November, December of that year, he kind of was like going to obviously like doctor's visits and he had, so he had prostate cancer and he had like medicine for like prostatitis and some of that other stuff. And it's just kind of like, you know, I, I, my dad is just this like overarching fatherly figure that's like so strong and just like nothing can affect him. And so you just don't think about it that way. Mm-hmm. And I know he didn't either. And it's kind of that male mentality that like, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm not getting it checked. Yeah. And with prostate cancer, it's so important to catch it early before it metastasizes and spreads to other parts of the body. Because most of the time you can just take the prostate out and basically you're in remission kind of, you know, for the rest of your life. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, my dad had some unfortunate mishaps with kind of his first checkups and with his doctor. And um, I'm not going to go into details with that, but he, he got a new doctor and, and absolutely loved him at uh, Simon Cancer Center. But yeah, unfortunately, it was a very aggressive form and they had to start chemo quickly. And what year? So what year was that? That I was 2017. Math. Okay, 2017. So I was like 22 years old. Okay. So you had graduated from college at that point. It was, uh, I think, my final going into the final season at Butler. Okay, okay, yeah. At least you were you were close to home. You hadn't, you know. Yeah. And you're the youngest. So where were your other? Where were your brothers at this point? Were they Uh, still local? My middle brother uh, was in Chicago, and then my oldest brother is in Brownsburg, and he actually lives right next door to my mom now. Which my my dad lived there too. They they moved like three years ago and live right next door to them. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. Do they have kids? They do. Three little girls. Oh man, three girls. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, we are happy to finally have a boy. My my mom's loving it. Yeah, I bet. That's so funny because I told you I'm the oldest of three girls. I have two daughters, a six-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. My sister has a daughter who is about – who's three – just turned – what's today? No, she turns three in January, mm-hmm. but then just had a boy. Mm-hmm. And so my dad is so happy yeah. because he's thinking, you know, we're never, ever going to have a boy in this <laughs> yep. family. So you did it. What's your son's name? Banks. Banks, Banks. Edward. Yeah, we carried on that. My middle name's Edward, and my dad was Ralph Edward Hartnagel III. And Edward goes way far back in my dad's family, so we wanted to carry that on. Yeah. It wasn't going to be Ralph, though. Ralph, I think, kind of died back in, like, the 90s or something like that. So <laughs> my mom was not going to let him name me Ralph either. Yeah. So we, I got that's, Michael. That's funny. Yeah. My dad's middle name is Everett. So that's what yeah. – so we have Eddie like Everett that. is our yeah. – uh, is the grandbaby boy of the family. So, yeah, I want to hear more about becoming a new dad, but we can save that yep, for later. Can. Yeah. Um, don't let me forget because sometimes I say <laughs> that and then I completely I'll forget about it. it. Yeah. So your dad's diagnosed and – you're already a pretty active family. Mm-hmm. And so at what stage of the game did you start like running every day or going on walks or maybe maybe talk a little bit more about the journey and some of the things you did to build memories over that time period where he was battling cancer? Yeah. You know, like most athletes, you kind of want to fill that void and find something that you can kind of physically push yourself and for me, that was just like, all right, I'm just going to sign up for a marathon. It was actually because of my um, sister-in-law. She was running the Monumental in 2019. I was like, oh, I mean, I, sure, I'll, I'll try it, like whatever. So I, I threw my name in the hat, and at that point, I'm like, well, you can either not train, and it can be a miserable experience, or you can start <laughs> training. So I started running back in the summer of 2019 and basically fell in love with it um, ever since. My dad was actually going to run the half with me. Okay. Um, I was going to run the full, he's going to run the half. So we were kind of training and all that stuff, but it's one of those things. And it kind of became an unfortunate trend for him to where kind of things went South and he wasn't able to run it. So my brother ran it for him. No, he was not bid mewling. I I, I promise. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, you know, I think we just, I kind of just fell in love with running and, um, my dad kind of always just wanted to be a part of it, which I absolutely loved. He would bike, um, when he could run, he, he ran, he actually, on January 1st of 2021, um, started a little run streak. He was going through chemo and radiation at the time, and he wanted to kind of just figure out a way to to kind of keep pushing himself and basically fight back against cancer and say, hey, I'm not going to slow down. Mm -hmm. Um, So he made it to April 26th of that year, um, had a medical emergency, had to go to the hospital, and his doctor was just like, you can't run anymore. Um, So that next day I was like, I'm going to keep this thing going for him. And, you know, I kind of expected, you know, maybe – a month and he would come back and run and keep it going himself. And we're like 900 and I don't know, I think it's like 60 days in of my streak and day, 
I think like 1,075 of our combined. So it's been cool to kind of carry on something that he started and, and keep that going for him. That has to be hard to keep track of two numbers. It's hard enough to remember yeah. probably what day you're on. Do you yeah. have an app or something? I have an app. Okay. Yeah, it helps. Because <laughs> I would be like, what day is I have yeah. a hard time remembering. For the what longest day it is. time, I would like go back into Strava and I would have to like look at the calendar and be like, one, two, three, four, and just add it up. I was like, yeah. there's got to be an app for this. And I found one. Yeah, that's good. Because, yeah, otherwise you're going to like mess it up somehow. And uh-huh. that would, yeah, that would make me crazy. I think that's actually how I found your story mm-hmm. was through Lara. Okay. Because she's run streaker and I follow yeah. her on Instagram. Yeah. And I think she shared is that how you guys got connected through run streaking or No, it was one of those things where we which obviously we're probably going to get into. Um when I had the run across Indiana, I was connected with a a, a lady by the name of Megan through Simon Cancer Center and one of the stops was going to be there and she said, "Hey, like I'm going to reach out to Laura. I think she'd love to join you. You guys have that shared, you know, run streak going on." Mm-hmm. And she came out and actually joined me for a couple of miles during the run. Oh, that's really cool. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get back to yeah. that. So have you ever done a race before signing up for the Monumental, like to do a marathon? Have you ever done like 5Ks or anything else or it was just no. kind of like... <laughs> no, there's no like official races. I mean, obviously we ran in college, but I always hated like long distances. You know, I was a very, I was very fast. I was probably one of the fastest guys on the Butler team. I enjoyed short distances, but when we had to run like for conditioning or anything, I, I you know, I hated it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things. I just kind of threw my name in the hat and I was like, we're going to do this. And that was the first race and wasn't the best, but we enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, well, right. how did you know how to train? Did, what did oh, you do? Oh, I didn't. Just, I yeah. completely trained the wrong way. <laughs> I went out every single day, ran like, you know, for the first probably month or two, I just would go out and I'd run three miles at like 90% effort. Yeah. Just gas myself. I know. Um, and that. even I had this like Nike training app or something like that. I didn't follow it because it was like, oh, you got to run, you know, two minutes slower than your race pace, which is like 11 minutes or something like that. And I was like, I could have gone and run 11 minutes. So I didn't really focus on, you know, that low intensity training, building up an aerobic base. And I kind of just like sent every run. Yeah. But as, as I've kind of progressed in my running career, I've learned obviously the importance of different types of runs and how it can help. Yeah. Let me tell you that I feel like most people did the same thing. Like yeah. when they just go out and you run as fast as you can for as yeah. many miles as you're going to run. Well, that athlete mentality, you would right. just want to push it and give it all. Yeah. Like how fast can I go? I need to, <laughs> you know, every workout needs to be, yeah. you know, I need to get a workout in. Uh Exactly. Yeah. It's weird. And now I actually like my easy runs. I've learned to like relish in them and enjoy it and then push myself on the days that I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to, but it's amazing how much better it works. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, how can I run most of my miles at like, yeah, 10, 11 minute mile and then go PR? Yeah. How does that work? But it does. It does. (laughs) Somehow. So did you run, did you run it all with your sister-in-law? Did you train together? No, so they, it was my brother that lives up in Chicago, okay. so they do a lot of that running up there. But we run a little bit in the beginning because my brother's run the half too, and then he split off, and then I kind of went on at my own pace. Okay, and did you do any fundraising for the marathon? I did not. No, okay. No. And then did your dad come cheer you on? He did, he yeah. Did. I mean, my, da- my dad was always, I mean, the biggest supporter. Like, basically, every game from, like, Little League on, he was there. I mean, he just he just found a way, and he was always the most loving and supporting parent. He was kind of known as that – You'd always see him down there at the baseball fields, down the left field line. Um, he was never that like, you know, p- putting pressure on you, yelling like, oh, you can do this. Well, he just was quiet and you knew he was there and it, it was exactly what I needed at every event. Yeah, that's amazing. Where was he at the marathon? At the finish or? Oh, like he made stops throughout the whole throughout way. Throughout the whole way. Yep. Yeah, which is, a, which is a challenge in and it of is. itself, especially while he's battling cancer. He's yeah. out there being a, an amazing that's, spectator. That's just who he was. That was his mentality. Yeah, that's incredible. And was your mom with him too? Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. How did you feel when you crossed the finish line? Oh, I don't even – I mean, when you cross, I was just absolutely beat. I mean, I was exhausted. I was broken down. I started going into the shakes, and it's just kind of one of those things like, holy cow, this is – you know, this is crazy. Never in a million years that I think I could, you know, obviously run 26 miles. But then – um, you know, you have that kind of week after, and you're like, oh, I'm never doing that again. And then my brain started – you know, gearing up like, all right, what could be next? Yeah. What could be next? I'll just run an ultra now. <laughs> yeah. Was that the, and was that the next race you did? That or is. did the, you do the mini somewhere in there? Uh, we did, uh, the mini, uh, was I think 2021. Um, it was one of those things I did with my dad. And I mean, my dad, we always had to try to like, Hey dude, you need to like slow down. Like you're, he's like the opposite of 99% of society where, you know, most of the time 
mentally they start to like break down first. For him, it's like mentally he thinks he can do everything, but unfortunately his body wasn't allowing him to. Mm-hmm. So he actually did the mini while going through chemo and radiation. He was five, five months, five or six months off of a fractured femur that came from radiation. Um, so I was going to run the mini. He was going to walk it, but I just felt this calling to like, I, I need to experience this with him. With him. Um, so we walked it together. And then of course we get to the last mile and he just starts jogging. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm finishing this thing the right way. I was like, all right, let's do it. So yeah, there's, there's a really cool video I have of me and him kind of running that last like a hundred meters. And, um, he's got a, he got, he's got a big old gimp and obviously he's in pain and, but it's just who he was, you know, it's how he was able to find joy through the struggle is just pushing through and enduring. Yeah. So it's like, what's your, what's your excuse? Exactly. Anybody who's listening to this. Yeah. Like that's how I'm able to I, I draw so much motivation from him. A fractured femur. Yeah. I mean, it's not enough that he's already going through chemo and radiation, mm-hmm. but then he has a fractured femur, which is your like the most, oh. the biggest bone. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he had a big old, big old steel rod all the way through his leg. Oh, boy. I know. Yeah, that, that was my mom's reaction and probably 99% oh. of the things he did. Just like, well, what, what are you doing? But we understood. I mean, if we didn't allow him to do some of that stuff, it would have been way worse for him mentally. Right. I mean, yeah, so you just, don't want to take the joy out of exactly out of his life. Yeah. That I can imagine, yeah, your mom being like, oh, my gosh. Yep. Are you really going to do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really special. Mm-hmm. That's really special. And then – then you decided to do an ultra, yep. so a 50K. Yep. Was that was that one in Indiana? No, it was up in uh, Wisconsin. I think just outside of LaGrange. It was Ice Age Trail 50K. It actually it was my sister-in-law again. She signed up for it. And I was like, oh, 50K, let's, let's try it. Um, so <laughs> me, my brother, his wife, um, we all did that race. My mom and dad were there. We got a, like a little cabin up there, and it was – it's a super cool experience. And I, I started to catch a glimpse of why I really enjoyed running seeing the mental and physical battle that my dad went through every single day with cancer, I started to feel, you know, this solidarity and connection that running brought to his battle. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously a small glimpse of what he had to endure. But as I started to push past those like 10, 15, 20 miles, and you start to get into that point where like your legs are breaking down, you're tired mentally. You're just like, I can't do this anymore. That's where it was just like, I kept just like revisioning my dad and just being like, you know, if he can endure and he can push through, like, so can I. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to really find this deep connection with my dad through some of those more endurance runs. And there's a really cool clip, and I, I literally watch it every single day after the 50K. Sorry. Uh, I walk around, and it's just me just gimping. My legs are shot. They're shut down, and I'm just kind of gimping up into my dad, and he just embraces me with the biggest smile, and we hug. And it's uh, it's one of my one of my favorite memories, and – did he run any of that with you? He crewed you, right? He was there. Yeah, he was a crew. I mean, I would come in and he would give me water and he was mach- machine gunning my leg, massaging my leg, and he was doing it all. And that was, when was that? This year in May? Or when was? Uh, yeah, that was May, May like 13th of 2023. Okay. And then you're like, what can I do next? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, What's harder than an ultra? Like, let's run across the state of Indiana. How did you, how did you come up with that idea? Uh, kind of just on a whim, honestly. There were times, I'll, I'll get to kind of the run, but my dad was going through kind of his last stint of chemo at Simon Cancer Center. Back in December of 2022, we basically found out that the clinical trial that we were super hopeful for wasn't working. So they were gonna switch it up, go back to chemo, cause he always responded to chemo well. Um, but at that point, you know, my, my parents didn't tell us, but the doctor kind of said, you know, you know, maybe a month is what you got left. And luckily he started chemo, um, in that January and reacted really well. Um, and basically pushed it to 12 rounds of chemo. And when he started to get in those later rounds, you started to see the PSA, which is kind of like the indicator for prostate cancer kind of rise back up and you start to realize that the cancer is adapting and it's not working anymore. Um, so we kind of knew that potentially it was probably going to go downhill. So at chemo 10, I was like, what, what is a way that I can kind of show my dad, like, Hey, I'm, we're with you. Mm -hmm. Like I'm fighting with you. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go out downtown and I'm just going to run 10 miles for his 10th chemo outside of the cancer center, which it is 
one eighth of a mile one way in front of the building. So it's like four down and backs is one mile. So I was just running out in front in front of the building and it was kind of cool because he was up in the window there. So I did that for this 10th, 11th and 12th rounds of chemo. The 12th one, I actually had a bunch of friends come out and show their oh, support. That's cool. um, but it's just my way of kind of showing my dad like, hey, hey I'm here. We're with you. Um, and I think that's so important when it comes to cancer. Um, it's just, just to have that constant love and support. But as it kind of progressed and we found out that basically the chemo wasn't going to work and there really wasn't any other options, I was like, what is something that I can just throw myself out there, raise awareness, education, funds for people battling cancer, but also like get that full connection and solidarity with my dad. And funny thing, we actually kind of talked about this on, on when I was running, he was biking next to me, this idea of like, oh, you know, next year we should, we should do the outer like rim of Indiana, oh. which is, I think it's like a thousand miles if you like start in the middle and then go around the end. But we we're like, oh, we're going to stop in each city, take it slow, talk about, you know, cancer, the importance of mm. getting checked up, um, you know, what PSA is, how easy it is to just get your blood drawn and just basically try to hopefully change the future outcome of someone getting diagnosed. So we kind of had that idea kind of stirring, but obviously weren't able to make it happen. So I was like, oh, this run across Indiana, like we can make this happen. And I actually have it on my phone where I kind of announced it to myself because I wanted to get it out there that I was going to do. And it was on July 3rd, I came up with the idea that I was going to run across this day. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, whether I was going to do it, you know, continuously in three days and four days. Um, obviously, I knew I wasn't at the point where I could probably do it continuously. So it was really between three and four. And I was like, okay, well, now when am I going to do it? Um, and I looked it up and September is Prostate Cancer Awareness mm -hmm. Month. Um, and I wanted a way to kind of bring awareness and funds to that. So I was like, no better way to cap it off than running across the state of Indiana, 157 miles in three days. And that's what we decided to do. 157 so, miles. Yeah. I had about 90 days to kind of train for it. Obviously, it's one of those things that like, I think my dad starting the run streak is this weird way of like, slowly setting me up for this event to, to putting enough miles under my legs that like I could actually do this. And obviously this should normally take like six to 12 months of like training and preparing mm -hmm. and coming up with a route and all this stuff. But um, I knew the importance and the impact it was going to have and how much it was going to allow me to connect with my dad. So I said, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Is there a specific is there a reason why it was at the end of September? Is there a day for prostate cancer? No. Like so the entire day? month is, month. is yeah. Um, but I was just like, well, I think if we, one, I was like, oh, I think I probably need a little bit more As to train. Time. So let's, yeah. let's push it off towards <laughs> the end. But also I wanted to like use that whole month to kind of raise funds, raise mm -hmm. awareness, bring education that around prostate cancer, and then kind of like cap it off. Yeah, the culminate run. in that like, yeah. okay, now I'm going to do it. Yep. So I'm curious, where were, where were your brothers in all this too? Did they join you in some of the running? Did they Were they like, good job, brother, I'm just going to cheer for you? How, yeah. Where, were, where, where yeah. were they in, no, in all um, this? I mean, they're, they're my biggest supporters as well. I, I kind of told them, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, how can I help? You know, they helped out with kind of like a lot of the marketing stuff and getting stuff together and helping me plan the route and do all that stuff. And they joined me for, for quite a few of the miles as well. Okay. So your sister-in-law hasn't quite gotten your brother to be as crazy as she, she is, it sounds like. Not for the most part. I think she's done like eight marathons okay. and he's done, he did the Chicago a couple years ago, um, but he actually did the 50K with us as well. So he's, okay. yeah, he went from basically... And he, he doesn't care what I say. He was out of shape, overweight, and she got him into running. And, you know, he's obviously fell in love with it ever since. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's cool. So how, yeah, how did you go about planning for, for this run? Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was uh, Google Earth, Google Maps, just looking at, you know, what points I could stop. So basically I wanted to do it to where I had some sort of support vehicle going out every three to six miles to where I could, you know, run to it refuel, rehydrate, mm -hmm. change socks, do that. Then they would go out again and I would run to it and we basically piece it together. So a lot of it was just Google Maps trying to figure out spots to stop. I actually met up with a guy named Joe Kern who ran across the state back in 2021, but he did it consecutively all one go. Oh, wow. He's got a podcast. It's pretty crazy. Amazing guy. Does a lot of ultras. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember the podcast he was on, but uh, he talked about it. Joe Kern is his name. Um, so I got to run with him and he gave me a lot of advice and that was super helpful. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And so were you, did you have some miles that you were alone or were most every, every mile you had people joining you here and there? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the crazy thing. I mean, throughout my dad's entire battle, we had such amazing support from the community and you need that when you're going through something like that. 
Um, so basically the first 13 miles were alone, um, which I had like support and crew, but I knew I kind of wanted just like that initial mm-hmm. start to just be like me and my dad, Yeah. which it wasn't, I mean, my dad was there. Unfortunately, two days before the run, my dad passed away. Um, and it was hard, uh, obviously for our family, but we were at peace knowing, you know, that he was finally paying for that. that. That last month was incredibly difficult seeing the pain that he had to go through, mm-hmm. um, and how kind of just beaten down he was. And most people probably think I'm kind of crazy. Like, how can you run and do something like this two days after your dad passed? Mm-hmm. But it was for me, the perfect way to kind of celebrate who he was. Cause that's, I mean, that's who he was. You know, as, as hard as it can get um, and how basically beaten down you are to just kind of push through mm-hmm. um, and do it by bringing community together. And, and we did exactly that. So those first 13 miles were by myself. And after that, basically, I had someone with me the entire the whole way. time. Yeah, I saw the dates of the run and when your dad passed away. And I was like, is that is that right? Yeah. But. I can totally, I can totally see and understand that yeah. decision. And mm-hmm. that's so freaking cool. Yeah. No, it was, you know, it was cool. Cause I knew my dad was finally yeah. able to like actually run beside me again. And it was it's one of those things where we started at 6am um, in Richmond on the Indiana, Ohio border. And there was no rain in the forecast. Like it was supposed to be like a perfect start and we get up to the start line and it just starts dumping. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, like this has got to suck. Like, oh, he's got to start in the rain. And for me, it just like lit me up from the inside with so much joy because me and my dad loved being out in the rain. Like it was our thing. Like if it started raining during our run, biking while we were hiking, we're like, this is so freaking awesome. And it was just, I knew it was my dad's way of showing me like, hey, I'm I'm with you from the start. I'm here. Like, let's go do this thing. That is so amazing. I was going to ask you about signs. Like if you saw him there or felt him there. Like, could there be any clearer of yeah. a sign yep. to start? Oh, it was exactly what I, I mean, <laughs> I was I, going into it. Like I didn't have the mileage I should have. I was fearful. Like the farthest I ever ran in a day before that was the 50K. So 32 yeah. miles. And I was about to basically supersede that by like 20, five, yeah. 22 miles each day. So obviously I had a lot of fear going into it, but just him showing me that and, you know, the strength and the courage and the positivity that he showed me through my battle. Like I I knew I could accomplish something like this with him by my side. Yeah. Wow. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. That I just can't, it's hard. It's hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine. And um, yeah, I mean, partially just because my, my dad and I have a relationship with running too. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't want to think about the day where I'm doing that to honor his life, yeah. you know. Um, but I know there will be that day. Oh, man. So where where did you run? Did you run on the highway? Like where? I mean, because there's certainly not a Monon Trail across yeah. the state of Indiana. No, there's How, not. So like. So it like. was basically along US 40 from Richmond all the way to downtown um, and then at that point, I wanted to make some important stops, which was Simon Cancer Center, my hometown of Brownsburg, and then come down through Avon, where my dad teached for 37 years. So to be mm-hmm. able to do that, I went 40 up into Brownsburg down, and then I took 36 all the way across, okay. which most of the time, the people who have done this just take 40 along the whole way because okay. it's it's two lanes on each side. So a four lane road to where, you know, people have the ability to get over, which right. on US okay. 40 on the east side, it didn't really make an impact because people still kind of weren't getting over. We found that if we just stood in the middle of the road in that one lane, they would finally get over. So, yeah, we learned that. But, uh, yeah, 40 to 36, um, basically Richmond to Dana the the entire way. Okay. And you had an RV, Yep. right? Yeah, we uh, we were trying to figure out a way to basically host the crew and make this comfortable for them. I actually had a buddy fly in from Denver who's going to video the whole thing. Um, we partnered up with Hoka, and they supported that. Uh, which is super cool. But I went up to Touchdown RV in Zionsville and just kind of shared them the story and the mission and what we were trying to accomplish. And then we were going to be doing like videos and um, some marketing stuff along the way. And they were all about the story and wanted to help out any way they could. So uh, they cut us a super nice deal and allowed us to take the RV. And it it played a huge role in helping us. Yeah, because everybody who's, you know, kind of helping oh, crew yeah. you. And, yeah. um, and having who, a nice place to sleep and all that at night was, was Right. Great. Oh, gosh, yeah. Was who was in the RV? 
it was kind of, you know, a mix throughout, obviously, the whole thing. But the main people were my buddy Isaac, who shot the whole thing, my wife, uh, my buddy Jimmy, and Kyle, who also flew in from uh, Colorado. He's a PT, so that helped tremendously oh, as well to have yeah. him because we did have some mishaps along the way that I kind of needed his help. Um, so there's a crew about five or six of us. But then as we got closer into Browns or my hometown, like everyone just kind of just like was in and out, in and out. Yeah. And then what about what about the final miles? Yeah. So day day three uh, was probably one of the tougher ones because I was not expecting Indiana to have rolling hills and elevation. And I tell you what, uh-huh. it kind of roasted us. Uh, it was hot that day, which kind of just soaks into what the whole experience was about. It's you know the whole theme of it was to stay positive. That was my dad's mm-hmm. mantra through his mm-hmm. whole battle. And we knew that it wasn't you know it wasn't going to be something that you know. It, if we wanted to truly experience it and have that experience and, and force ourselves to stay positive through it all, stuff kind of had to hit the fan. You know, we had that on day one, my knee flared up. Day two is kind of just long and grueling. And then day three was just hot, rolling hills. Um, so we just kind of had to grind through. One of my buddies had the idea to every one of those no passing zone signs that we saw, mm. we had to run to. So that was our way of kind of like piecing it together because – I was just beaten down. I was nauseous. I was tired. I was kind of like falling asleep on the side of the road um, in the morning. So he was like, every time we see one of those, we're going to run to it. So we just basically for like 30 something miles, just piece it together. For And there are a lot of no passing zones. I was going to say, I can start to picture. I'm like trying to picture what that would be like. Yep. That would, <laughs> but it's something. Yeah. No, I, you have to piece yeah. it together. Because um, if, if you look at it, it's just like, oh, I got to run 157 miles. It's just going to be too difficult. So that's why I broke it up into that three to six miles. Mm -hmm. And then day three, we really kind of broke it up into like every 200 yards, um, something like that. But it was really cool just to see all the people coming out. And that last mile, I know this is going to be hard for me to kind of get across. Basically, you'll see in the film. So next year, we're going to kind of release this film, kind of getting off um, keel here. But next year, we're going to release a film on my dad's um, one year passing. It's going to be called probably Stay Positive. Um, but there's a moment, mile 137, where I come in and I just lose it. You know, I, I break down emotionally, physically. I'm like, my knee's in so much pain. I'm, I'm in my dad's walking sticks. Um, I just embrace my mom with a massive hug and I just break down. And I really just don't know how I'm just going to keep pushing on um, with still like 20 miles left to go. So I sit down and you can just kind of tell the vibe of the crew is just like down. Like everyone's just like, oh man, we're, we're beaten up. And I don't remember who it was, but they put on the song, one of my dad's favorite song, Shakira, Hips Don't Lie. <laughs> yeah, I know. He Perfect. loved it. Yeah, it's, I don't know why he loved it, but he has this thing with his DECA and a lot of the girls at Avon High School, you know, love him for that. But yeah, they played that and basically something switched where the, the vibe of the crew just picked back up and we just attacked the rest of it. Um, but the last mile was basically what I wanted to accomplish. You know, I, the goal I set out for was to really have that strong connection with my dad and feel kind of what he had to endure and what he had to battle his entire diagnosis. And that last mile in his hokas with his hiking poles, wearing his T-shirt, basically with a gimp surrounded by 30 plus people, just community. And I had this I just had this strong out-of-body experience where, like, I truly felt like him. And I really kind of felt what he had to go through, and it was just about just kind of piecing it together. And, yeah, so it was it was cool just to, to kind of have everyone backing me, my mom by my side, my wife, my brothers. And that last mile, we walked in honor of him because, obviously, for the longest time, cancer took away his ability to mm-hmm. run. So it was a way of honoring him, wearing his shoes, um, walking, I, I truly felt like him, and I think it was kind of what I needed to experience it fully. And at the moment where you see, oh, my gosh, I was like, which sign is it? Illinois. Yep. Yep. <laughs> when you see that sign, like, what did you – how did you – did you, like, run and, like, jump and hit the sign? Did you just, like, curl up in a ball <laughs> in the, like, fetal position yeah. on the side of the road? Like, what – there's, there's actually, obviously not a finish line. Yeah. There, so no, I mean, it was dark and it was kind of funny because we're in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of funny. I did the complete opposite of what normally you would do, which is like run to it, embrace it, just like enjoy it. But we're coming up to the sign. All of a sudden, these like four huge tractor trailers were coming in a row. And 
we've obviously got like 30, 40 people in the middle of the road just kind of walking to the sign. And I knew my buddy, like this was going to be an important shot for the film. So I'm like, we're going to stop here. Like we got to get the shot right. So <laughs> we stopped. And as I stopped, like my legs just were like, nope, like you're done. So like, I'm just like holding on to the, the trekking poles and like my wife's holding me up and I'm just like shaking and we're like 50 feet from the sign. So finally, you know, 20 seconds pass, track shows are gone and we, we get back to moving and we just kind of cross the sign and everyone cheers and I walk up to it and I just, I kind of talk to my dad a little bit and kind of embrace and thank everyone for being there. And uh, yeah, nothing too crazy about it. It was just kind of wild. I mean, you do this whole thing and then it's just over. Yeah. And then it's a hour RV, hour and a half RV ride home. Did you like, did you shower in the RV? Was there a, would the shower work? Uh, I did not shower at the end, but there was a shower. There was the bathroom, like, working. You know, we could make coffee and food. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, it was super important. Yeah. So did you, when you got back in the RV, did you did you just get to go to sleep? Did you just get up and, like, hang out with everybody while you're driving back? Like, what? Yeah, so, like, kind of everyone just kind of dispersed their own way. You know, we had, like, four people get back on the RV. I was blessed to have a good friend to be able to drive us back because we were all obviously super tired. Oh, and I just sat on the couch, and I was just kind of, you know, zonked. It's obviously, like, one of those things you can't really, like, my brain was so mush at that point that I didn't even really know what to think. So it was just kind of, I think I fell asleep for, like, 40, 45 minutes, and then, got home and showered. And it was one of those things. It's like, I was so happy. Cause I was like, I can finally just like sleep in, yeah. you know, th- through the run. Like we would go to bed at like 11, 1130. I had to make sure I got calories and showered before I all went to bed. And then your body like won't shut down. So then I couldn't fall asleep. So I'm just like mm. constantly stirring and my knees throbbing. And then all of a sudden the 5am alarm hits and it's like, well, we got to start running at six. So it was just like day after day. So it was kind of, kind of nice to get a cup of coffee and kind of relax. Yeah. So throughout this time, what are you doing for work? Do you have like a full-time, like normal job or? I haven't had a full-time job. I've kind of just kind of pieced it together and like made it work over, you know, the past five years. I I had a job when I moved out to Breck. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So I I had a job out there and then I moved home and then I I did some stuff in real estate and kind of worked in like property management and fixing up rental properties. And then I got into like day trading and then kind of doing some other flipping stuff. And now that I have a kid, I'm kind of looking for full, more full-time marketing sales positions. But mm-hmm. for me, I wanted to, I knew the end at some point with my dad was going to come and I wanted to be able to soak in and make as many experiences as possible. So I knew I wasn't going to make a bunch of money, but I was like, I'm going to figure out a way that like I can have as much free time as possible, just doing side hustle jobs and just kind of making it work. And, you know, I wouldn't change a thing because there are so many experiences that I was able to have with my dad over those five years. And I tell people that, you know, it's crazy. Those five years and what we were able to experience together and travel and do all these things, the memories that we made, probably we wouldn't have experienced that if he never had cancer and he lived for another 20, 25 years. So, so that amount of time and the experiences and the importance of that and how much it means to me over those five years, six years that we had with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I'm forever grateful with those moments. Yeah. Well, and how nice that you, we're in a position where yeah. you could have that flexibility and spend that time. Yeah. You know, I, I, well, you know, you think things happen for a reason, but that's always a dumb thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't say that. That's yeah. stupid. Well, it's, it's, but I it's mean, like, it, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, I had this deep conversation with my dad uh, about a month before he passed. And he, he, he kind of said, you know, it, it always had to be me. You know, it was always all this person. Like, I, I'm not mad. You know, I'm at peace with God. Mm-hmm. Like, basically his, unfortunately his battle meant that our family just got completely want, like we are such a close family Mm now, you know, our our faith in God is stronger than ever. And and the experiences that we've got to have and the the impact he's had, you know, he, he just kind of said, you know, it it always had to be me and there's, there's a reason for everything. So just, just keep living your life and, and embrace the memories we made. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to my dad about, I mean, we've had deep conversations about death and what's going to happen. My six-year-old is asking questions and you're like, yeah, anything that's alive will die. And it's hard to talk about those things. My dad's like, you know, I've had a great life. I'm not ready, but I've had a great life. Yeah, no one one ever is. Right. And so in in preparation, and this will probably be a tough conversation, but, you know, your wife was pregnant, right? I mean, he knew he was going to be a grandfather to your baby. Did he know that you were going to have a son? 
before he passed? Yeah, he kind of obviously knew it all. And it was it was one of those things because like we knew his time was coming, but we were hopeful that he could make it to the due date, which was November 18th for my wife. Um, we were hopeful that he was going to at least be able to meet him. Yeah. Um, and as time went on, we kind of knew that that possibility and those chances were, were dwindling. Um, but he knew as a boy, we had the, the opportunity to go do like a 3D ultrasound. Um, okay. which is where you can like really see kind mm-hmm. of like the facial features and all that stuff. And I, I knew I wanted to do that to allow my dad to kind of be able to see, see him. him. Um, so that was a really cool emotional experience. But yeah, that's that's probably been one of the hardest things for me is knowing that my son will never get to experience, you know, how amazing my dad was. Right. Um, and that was kind of the, the other reason I wanted to film something like this um, and do something like this was to say, hey, son, like, I did this, we did this, but I wasn't able to do it because of myself. Like Mm -hmm. there was someone that was so strong and was so courageous and he was the reason I was, and that was your grandpa. Yeah. That's kind of another reason I wanted to do it. But yeah, it's, it's been, it's definitely been hard. Yeah. Did it, did your dad do anything else? Like, like any videos or like write, like have a journal or anything? Yeah. Um, he, he's made these, which I don't know when he's going to have them open. He's made these like personal boxes for each of the grandkids and he's, he's did some notes and I had him write some stuff in a journal for me before, before he passed. But you know, that's, that's one of the things we're grateful for. And it's an unfortunate thing that most people don't have that opportunity Mm -hmm. is that we kind of had, you know, that those six and a half years, but really those last two months to prepare for it and have those deep conversations with him and really just pour out our emotions. And, you know, unfortunately, not a lot of people get to get that. You know, people who die in like car crashes or, yeah. you know, get diagnosis and they only last like a month. Like mm-hmm. I I can't imagine that because that's, you know, one of the things that's helped me through is is what I got to experience in the, in the memories I made with right. my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that more than I should probably because I'm like, oh, should I make – should I just – yeah. make videos for my kids just yeah. in case something happens to me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so morbid, but at the same time, you're like, I want them to know all these things because yeah. they're not going to remember. Yeah, that's tough. I actually found out yesterday a friend of mine, her dad passed away unexpectedly. Mm. And, you know, it just makes you – I just can't – I can't Yeah, imagine the pain of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though cancer is horrible, six and a half years is – I mean, thankfully you got – yeah you know, that time, but it's, yeah, it's just, it all sucks. It does. I want to talk about the metastatic Metastatic mission. mission. I want to make sure people know all about that Mm -hmm. and how to support that mission. Yeah. Um, And I love the sweatshirt, your sweatshirts (laughs) and like apparel that you've created. It's, it's really cool. So tell me, tell me all about that. Yeah. So for the runner, I obviously wanted to figure out a unique way to kind of raise money and funds and support those people kind of going through the same battle that my dad did. Um, And one of the days I kind of just was kind of pondering names for like a nonprofit or ways that we could do it. And I came across metastatic mission where the term metastatic or metastasize generally means to spread aimed at more of the spread of cancer or spreading something injuriously. But through my dad's ability to take negative situations um, and negative things and find the positive, and I was like, you know, who made the rules that I can't take a negative term and just put a positive spin on it? So I came up with Metastatic Mission. It's all about metastasizing faith, love, and positive, mm-hmm. positivity, which are three things that were extremely important to my dad. So it's about spreading faith, love, and positivity, and it's about community over cancer. Through my dad's battle, we saw the importance that having constant love and support from others had, Mm -hmm. um, not only for him, but for our entire family. And the unfortunate reality is that not everyone going through that has that same support and those same people to lean on. um. So we want to make sure that obviously everyone has that. So 50% of the funds that we raised through the run went to Simon Cancer Center, where my dad had his battle, just for research education, which is obviously extremely important for cancer. And the other 50% is going to go to different initiatives and supporting and loving on those people. So we've donated Stay Positive sweatshirts. We're going to do like a vacation giveaway for a family that's been affected. And we're kind of thinking and, and figuring out new ideas and ways that we can support people. Yeah, that's that's so incredible. Yeah, thank you. Do you now, I noticed at least my, I don't know, my Googling, you don't have the apparel for sale at this moment, right? It is do. it more okay you do. Tell yeah, me so where. If you, then. if you go to metastaticmission.org or if you go to like my Instagram or, or TikTok, I think I have links on there. 
Um, there's just like a shop section that you can buy. Uh, okay, I messed I messed that up. Yeah, disregard. I'll edit that. All up good. So I don't sound so dumb. <laughs> um, I couldn't find it. Yeah. Well, um. I've, I've kind of gone through like different <laughs> redesigning of different websites yeah. and where the where the shirts and all the apparel are kind of okay. have been. So it's kind of been on and off. So you well, maybe I found it. a broken link then somewhere. It probably was a broken maybe. link. Well, I'll have to tell you if I can find it again. Okay. But no. Anyway, go buy and support the sweatshirts. Are really cool. I, I like. Appreciate that. The concept of taking a term like that and yep. sw- and spinning it is really, really yeah. neat, too. Yeah. And we wanted to just come up with a really unique, like, kind of simple. I think kind of simple is maybe the new style. So um, it's very simple style. We're kind of figuring out new ways and designs that we can make as well. Mm-hmm. So, And I also wanted to shout out Hoka, who yep. has supported you. The Colts have supported you. Yeah. And who who else has supported you? And then what other kinds of partnerships what do you dream about when it comes to this organization? How can people help support you? Not just by, you know, donating and, and buying apparel, but how, what other kinds of things can, can they do? Yeah. So Hoka has kind of been a, a big supporter of my dad and I's story, which is crazy to think, you know, a massive brand like that supports a, a father-son duo out of Indiana. And how did that come about? I made a random TikTok one day that got over like 500,000 views talking about kind of my run streak and my dad um, and wanting actually new shoes, new speed goats because mine were just torn to shreds for my uh, 50K coming up. And they reached out and were like, you know, happy birthday. We got you. And the connection kind of just grew and grew over time as they learned more about my story. Um, And we kind of we want to give away talking about joyful movement. That was obviously in part of my dad. But I had a connection there and reached out to her and told her about the run across Indiana. And she was like, you know, I'd, I'd love to support you. Let's let's basically pay for a videographer. Obviously, obviously, I was able to to hire my buddy, um, which I wanted someone who obviously knew my dad's story yeah, in our relationship. Yeah. But they have been truly amazing after my dad passed. I mean, they sent us flowers just to, mm-hmm. like, you know, give us our, their condolences, which is just crazy. I think a massive brand like that would do something like that. The Indianapolis Colts came through with a huge surprise when we made our stop at Simon Cancer Center. Blue showed up and surprised me and my family with a $10,000 donation to Simon Cancer Center through the Ursay family. I know that was a huge part of Megan and Laura for setting that up. So huge shout out to them. And then just moving forward, we're trying to figure out ways that I think there is such a unique connection between running and kind of endurance and sports and athletes and that battle with cancer, obviously it's it's so minuscule to what they're enduring, but f- we're trying to figure out ways that we can, you know, have races or events or people basically kind of like be ambassadors for the brand for something that they're going to mm-hmm. do that's challenging to raise money um, mm-hmm. for cancer. Because there, there is, you know, a small connection between that physical and mental battle that you go through. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're trying right now. I have a couple friends that we're just kind of talking each week, trying to figure out unique, creative ways to kind of grow the mission and support those battling as much as possible. Yeah. And are you specific to prostate cancer or is it more generally speaking? Yeah. So for the donation, it went to prostate cancer through my dad's doctor and his team, just because obviously there's that connection there. Mm-hmm. But mo- like moving forward, it's all cancers. I mean, okay. everyone going through cancer, obviously it's, you know, everyone deserves the same amount of support mm-hmm. and love and I'm actually trying to figure out a design now that kind of incorporates all the unique colors of like different ribbons and stuff in a in an apparel or a hoodie. But yeah, all all cancers. Okay. That's really cool. I feel like you should work for Hoka or somebody like that too. <laughs> I've applied a couple times okay. to different jobs. All right. Yeah. We got to figure that out too cuz I feel like gosh. Yeah, no, a, dr- just... a dream job would be to work for like a running company or an outdoor company. It's it's harder in Indiana obviously. Yeah. If you lived out west or something like that, it'd be easier to find a job like that. Um, but we're trying to figure out ways. I mean, I, through my dad's battle, I found such a strong passion for like community and getting involved mm-hmm. and, and obviously running and sporting events. And I've always had a passion for the outdoors. So trying to figure out a way that I can slide into one of those okay. um, avenues. Well, I'm on I'm on the board for the Monumental Marathon. Oh, there we go. So I've got to figure – I will figure it out. Yeah. And anybody who's listening has any ideas for this incredible – young man who's now a dad. Okay, let's bring it back. Let's talk about being a new dad and then we can wrap it up because I know you probably want to get back home to banks. (laughs) So how is it being a new dad? Oh, Five weeks, right? Yeah, five weeks. It is the greatest blessing. Um, I think I kind of listed as one of obviously my greatest achievement, Um, but it truly is. I mean, I remember the first night when he was born, waking up at, you know, 4 a.m. to him crying, having to change my first diaper ever. And I was just... (laughs) overcome with just this immense amount of joy. I mean, it's, it is just a different type of love. You've never loved anything like it. Obviously my wife, 
she's up there, but she she knows. We kind of we have the same feeling. She's right. like, I'm tough. second to her. She's second to me. Like he he just gets all our love. Um, but it it truly is the greatest blessing. And I I know I kind of talked about it before, um, but it truly is. You know when you feel like everything is beating you down and you're going through all these life challenges and you feel like nothing can turn right. You know, I went through the hardest stretch of my life in September, losing my dog and my dad within the same week. And then basically you follow that up with two of my greatest achievements, which is the run across Indiana and having my son. So it's just a reminder Mm -hmm. to to keep pushing on and and better days are ahead. Yeah, I meant to ask you about who else you had lost, your yeah. dog. What kind of dog? She was a German short hair pointer. Okay. It was, it was one of those unfortunate things. It's IMHA, which is like an autoimmune disorder that just basically comes on randomly. And, you know, one day she just got really sick and she went through a week battle of going through three different transfusions. And um, it just got to the point where it was, she was just in too much pain and she was struggling yeah. too much. And yeah. she was six years old. She brought so much joy. But uh, my wife reminded me that, you know, as hard as it is, you know, I th- think my dad needed a close buddy up mm-hmm. in heaven. There you go. So that was kind of just our way of like trying to figure, because other than that, I can't think of like, why else would this happen? Like you take away <sighs> my best friend and someone who brings me so much joy and who's supposed to help me get through my dad's passing. Right. Um, and you take take her away from us. But yeah, that's kind of what I've been holding on to is that, you know, they're up in heaven right now. They're yeah. fishing, they're running right. around and they're enjoying each other's company. Man. Yeah. I have a, um, a doodle who's, he's going to be 10 next year. So yeah, he's our first kid. Yeah. Our first kid. Yeah. And so was your dog, would she have liked Banks? Would she have been? Oh, good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was the most people dog ever. Like mm. always had to be touched, loved, giving kisses. Yeah. I'm not sure Banks would have liked her right now because she probably would have been, She we called her the sniper. You know, if you've been down to tie your shoes, she'd jump up and lick your face. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure Banks would have liked that, but <laughs> no, she would have she loved it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's tough. But at least, yeah, to your point, they're together. So- yeah, new dad. That's really cool. Well, hopefully you get some stroller runs yeah, sometimes. I'm looking what, forward to how it. How long do they make you wait? Like six I don't, months? Yeah, I, I don't forget. know. Um, I know obviously they've got to have like head strength to hold it right. up and stuff. We were looking the other day to have one of those pull behind things on a bike and they said mm-hmm. at least one year. So I would think after like, you know, after six months to a year. Yeah, I feel like six it. months you can do the stroller when they're in the car seat kind of yeah. situation. Yeah, but the whole – I, I, I thought you could do it right away. I was so confused. I'm like, what do you <laughs> I mean wish. you got to wait? Yeah. Yeah, I remember having to wait to run with our doodle. They're like, you have to wait a year because yeah. they're hips and whatever, uh-huh. whatever. Um, so I have a couple of questions okay. for you to wrap up the podcast. Yep. So the first is – what? well, I already know your dad's mantra, mm-hmm. stay positive. Yep. Are there other mantras that you have? And then it's kind of a two-part question, mantra and then song. Besides Ooh. hips don't lie, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the mantras, I, and I've kind of, I actually used to write it on um, my wrist tape for baseball. One of the mantras that's kind of always stuck with me is for those who can't. Yeah, um, Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And it's for me now, it's like obviously running for those who can. And it's one of those things that like we don't realize how blessed we are to be able to put on shoes, go out, you know, actually mm-hmm. move and run um, and do all that. And and. I saw how hard it was for my dad to not be able to like jump in with us and go run and play pickleball and hike and do Mm. all this stuff. So anytime, you know, that I'm tired, the weather's cold, it's crappy out, or, you know, I just don't have any motivation. I just think about all those people who would kill to be in my shoes at Mm -hmm. that moment and go out for a run. So it's as simple as for those who can't. And it's just a reminder that, you know, how grateful we are and how blessed we are to be able to do what we do every day. Yep. Yeah, I had uh, a sticker on my Peloton bike that says, work harder, it's not chemo. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so, it's, that's so good. And then songs. Do you listen, do you listen to music while you run usually or? I'm a big podcast, uh, okay. podcast guy. I absolutely hate headphones. Like for the longest time I couldn't run with like in-ear headphones. Oh good, headphones. so you I, love wearing these. <laughs> well, I'm not running, so I don't feel as clouded <laughs> okay, out. Yeah. But I, then I found those shocks like yes, over the year I and those. I absolutely love those. But big podcast guy, I listen to like basically Rich Roll, his podcast almost every single day. And then a lot of the running songs I listen to, I, I'm a big like chill, like indie pop. It, like Noah Khan is my favorite artist. Okay. I listen to a lot of like, obviously like Christian music and stuff like that. But yeah, not a huge music guy, but yeah, most of the time it's podcast. Okay, I have a confession. I have not listened to Rich Roll's podcast. I am so bad. I it's need good. to. Yeah. I, I see the video clips all the time, and yeah. I think to myself, okay, I need to watch that, or I need to go listen to that, yeah. and then I forget. 
No, no, he's I need, he's I need he's very to. good. It's all about health and obviously running and nutrition and yeah. wellness. Yeah. And, some good life advice on there as well. Yeah, I need to listen to that. And then the next question is, what's your next finish line milestone? So you've, I mean, running across the state is pretty gnarly. Yeah. That's quite the accomplishment. Like, how do you top that? What are you thinking about? I, I know it's, it's hard. And it's one of those things I think it opened up my eyes that like I'm capable of doing some of these like much harder challenges. Kind of funny. I have a buddy, the buddy that flew in from Denver <laughs> The farthest oh he ever ran in a week was 25 miles, and he came in and threw down over 100 in that three-day stretch. And it opened – Yeah, there, That was the coolest thing about the run. I'm getting off track again. No, it's um, good. One it's of the good. coolest things about the run is that, you know, my dad was all about inspiring and pushing through and, and doing something that you never thought was possible. Mm-hmm. And there were probably over 20, 30 people who ran farther than they ever did before when they came out and ran – I think I had five or six friends that became like ultra marathoners, ran more than 30 miles in in day three. So it was so cool to see my dad and his strength inspire so many people other than just me. Um, But yeah, it's opened up my eyes to kind of what I'm capable of doing. So I'm trying to figure out, obviously moving into 2024, what could maybe compare to something like this. I have my eyes on now. I'm a a big trail run guy. I absolutely love being out in the woods and the outdoors. So I want to get out west. Leadville has Mm -hmm. obviously been on my... Um, brain for a long time I'm not ready for the 100 but I think I'm gonna try the Leadville 50 in the summer it's kind of like a real quick sign up so January like 6 I think it is you got to be quick on the trigger to try to get into that Mm -hmm. Um, but some sort of out west 50 miler would be awesome Um, I want to do a Simon Cancer Center marathon so 26.2 miles out in front of the building which I think I did the math which is oh it's like 100 trips so it's kind of like one of those backyard ultras yeah, yeah. where it's just a very repetitive back and forth and back and forth. But yeah. um, I love the the mental challenge that it brings and obviously the connection with Simon Cancer Center. Ooh. So I'm trying to figure out obviously unique kind of stuff like that to one, bring yeah. awareness to cancer, but also to push myself. Well, now I'm like picturing people trying to join you in that. that that'd be awesome. <laughs> Which I don't, I can't yeah, picture you, you like. You couldn't make it like a huge race because it's a very narrow sidewalk. Yeah. So you'd be like, okay, and which lap are you on? Yeah. Am I in the lead? It'd be dope if they the could lead? close that, that one eighth of a mile s- section of street. There you go. To just allow, you know, like 50 runners to, to do it. To do if it. They, they could. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will be cheering for you, whatever you do next. And I'm excited that. to be able to now know you and support you as best I can because, you. yeah, you're, you're really incredible. You really are, Michael. Yeah, and it means it means so much, and I, I know obviously a lot of that comes from the dad that I had and what yeah. he obviously taught me. So that's one of the biggest things I'm excited for is to be the dad that my dad was to me. So I yeah. appreciate you, you know, obviously sharing my dad's story and our story, and it means it means so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank and you. Thank you to everybody who has listened to this, and happy running. Yeah, happy running, happy holidays, and stay positive. So good.